cross over. Elijah said to Elisha, tell me what I can do for you before I'm taken from you. So Elisha answered, please, give, let me inherit two shares of your spirit. Elijah replied, you have asked for something difficult. But if you see me being taken up from you, you'll have it. If not, you won't. As they continued walking and talking, a chariot of fire with horses of fire suddenly appeared and separated the two of them. Then Elijah went up into heaven in a whirlwind. As Elijah watched, as Elisha, excuse me, watched, he kept crying out, My father, my father, the chariots and horsemen of Israel. Then he never saw Elijah again. He took hold of his own clothes tore them into two pieces. Elisha picked up the mantle that had fallen off Elijah and went back and stood on the banks of Jordan. We want a king. 
forward to 1st and 2nd Kings. The Lord gave his people what they wanted. He gave them a king. Now Israel was a mess. They had split into two regions. You had Israel and you had Judah. David was a king. Now David was a man after God's own heart. He chased after God. He was a worshiper. He was writing poetry and writing songs and he was just loving on the Lord. He was always in God's face, and he was always worshiping, but he was a man of war. Now, David said that he wanted to build the temple for the Lord. The Lord was like, mm -hmm. stick to what you're good at. You can't build that temple. you got too much blood on your hands. So here's what I want you to do. You just go on and write, those, write that poetry. Write me those love letters. So David penned a lot of love letters to the Lord. Then after David was gone, his son Solomon. He took the throne. He was another. There was a man after God's own heart. He did what was right in the sight of the Lord. He said, I'm going to do what my daddy what my couldn't do. I'm going to rebuild the temple. Sidebar conversation. Okay, so when he built this temple, this temple was this huge, elaborate, big, huge, elaborate facility. People were coming from miles and miles and miles just to see what this temple looked like. Now, he actually built this temple in a short amount of time. If you can go back and find those, this is sidebar. If you go back and read those lost books, there is a book that is strictly about the building of that temple, how Solomon built that temple in such a short amount of time. Fascinating reading. If you're into deliverance, this book will charge you up. It needs no information, so just, you know, in your dabbling time, find those lost books and read the story about Solomon building the temple. So anyway, as long as the kings did what was right beside the Lord, the region would also do what was right. If the king kept his eye on the Lord, and the people kept their eye on the king, the region was good. But the sprinkle in between all the good kings had other kings that were coming. And they did, they didn't do what was right in the sight of the Lord. They did evil in the sight of the Lord. They didn't keep their eyes on the Lord. Instead, they were watching all the other surrounding nations. They were looking at what they were doing, how they were worshiping, what they were worshiping, what they were doing when they were worshiping. So they said, you know what, we'll just, we'll take this little practice and We'll incorporate that little practice. And it was mingling in, and the Lord wasn't pleased with it. They started following the pagan practices of the neighboring kings, causing their region to chase after other gods. Because as the head goes, the body follows. Mm -hmm. now the Bible tells you, no man who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is good for the king. When you plow, I told y'all before, my grandfather was a farmer, and he had these fields that he would plant his, his gardens on. When he plowed, you had to plow in straight lines, because if you didn't, if the lines did like this, then you ran, uh, you ran the chance of stepping on some of your crop and hurting the produce. So when you plow, you have to plow in a straight line. With, like, if you drive down the street, you're on the expressway, and you see blue lights up ahead over on the side, what everybody do? Everybody starts looking mm -hmm. to see if it's an accident. Who was hurt? Somebody getting arrested. Somebody in handcuffs. Everybody's mad and trying to see. I call them looking looms. All the looking looms over there looking. So you're driving, supposed to be going straight, and you're looking to see if these blue lights are doing. The next thing you know, you hear this honking because you can hear it off of somebody else's light. So it's dangerous. When the kings kept their eyes on the Lord, looking straight ahead at the Lord, the kingdom stayed lined up with the principles of the Lord. But when they started looking at the neighboring, let me see what they go. Oh, is that an Asherah pole? Is that Baal? Then they started veering off the path that the Lord wanted to be on. Okay. Let me see. Okay. Here's the principle to remember. Worship always goes up. And what goes up must come down. That's right. 
It's like if you, okay, if it's going to rain, you're driving, it's going to rain, there's a body of water over here. If you look, you can see the sun pulling the vapors up out of the water, up into the cloud. It pulls up enough water, the cloud gets heavy, and it releases rain. What goes, what goes up must come down. When you worship, mm -hmm. it goes up. It goes up as a, uh, incense in the nostrils of the Lord. Now, when you live in right, if you're, you're following the Lord and his principles, that smell will go up and it's like a sweet smelling incense. And the Lord's like, my children are worshiping. Let me, let me hand out these blessings for them. Let me just drop. I know, I know they need this. I'm gonna drop this over here. If you're living fat, that's also worship. These people, they were, they were following these pagan practices. They were, they were bowing down to Baal. They were performing all these sexual acts around this Asherah pole. Mm -hmm. That also went up under the nostrils of the Lord. And when he when it hit his nose, he was like, they're worshiping the wrong God. So something has to come down. It's not going to be blessings. It's going to be up. It's going to be judgment. So Amos 3, 7 says, God won't do anything on the earth until he first reveals it to the prophets, which brings me to my storyline. Okay. When I was a little girl, I had one sister. Yeah, bugs that were lights. That's what that sounded like over there. Uh, I've got one sister. She's a year and a half older than me. We would we'd be, out, we'd be in the house making all this noise because my sister was, you know, I'm the quiet one. She's like, no. The girl so funny. She just never ran out. I mean, she was, she's the loud one. She was bouncing off the walls. And, you know, she, to this day, people, she attracts people young and old to her house. She's always got music playing. She's the one that was older than me, but still in the club, and our kids in the club, too. She was just, she was just the party. So we're little girls, and we're home, and we're playing. We're waiting for mama to say those magic words. Y'all go outside, and don't come back in this house until I tell you to. And the adventure would start. We grab all our dolls, and we take our bicycles, and we're outside, and we're playing, and we have all these adventures. We didn't have any of that. We had that little Nintendo. Boop, boop, boop. We had that. But that was a privilege in order to play that. So we, we're outside. And we're playing and we're playing. And it's just an adventure after an adventure after an adventure. Sometimes the neighborhood kids would come over and we would play different games. We played hide and go seek. Or we played freeze tag. I remember one time we were at my cousin's house. We're playing freeze tag the light pole at the end of the street at the end of the yard was the freeze was the base thank you it was dew on the grass we running for the base and one of my friends slid on the dew and her leg went out of the street caught right over her leg broke her leg had taken the hospital had to get a hard cast the next weekend she's out there playing freeze tag so you know we just we had these imaginations but one of the things we played was follow the leader Rather boring game, but when you get enough people, it's kind of interesting. So, okay. Turn to, or write it down. I'm going to read it. 1 Kings 17, verse 1. And it reads, Now Elijah the Tishbite from the Gilead Center. Stop right there for just a minute. The first rule in playing, follow the leaders, is a leader has to be chosen. Okay. <clears throat> Elijah the Tishbite from the Gilead Center. That bothered me. His name just it bothered me. It bothered me. So I kept looking, I kept looking, I kept looking. I said, okay, guys. Elijah the Tishbite from the Gilead says, Anytime, now, okay, I said in the beginning that Israel was God's chosen people. Every time the Lord did something, he did it from somebody from Israel. Now, Elijah, when you, when you, okay, 
Genesis. It talks about so-and-so begat this one, and this one begat that, and this one begat that, and they ran the whole genealogy before you get to the actual person you're talking to. They didn't do that with Elijah. He's just Elijah, the Tishbite from the Gilead Sentinels. Which leads me to think probably wasn't of a Hebrew descent. Not quite a But there's no genealogy to introduce him. He's just Elijah, the Tishbite from the Gilead Sentinels. He didn't have a title. Up until then, he didn't show up in the Bible. When he appeared, he just appeared as Elijah the Tishbite. So, when it comes to doing greater works, oftentimes we discount ourselves because we don't have titles. We expect David Wallace to operate in miracle signs and wonders because he's an apostle. We expect prophets to be able to operate in miracle signs and wonders because they're prophets. Evangelists, they don't have, and they're spreading the gospel, they don't have to be able to demonstrate. So we expect that. If, you, if you're a teacher, you're going to teach. You have to be able to demonstrate what you're teaching. If you're a pastor and you know the word, you should be able to demonstrate. So we say, well, you know, I don't have a five-fold calling. I don't have that anointing. So I don't operate in any types of greater works. But Elijah, the Tishbite from the Gilead Settlers, he didn't have a title. And the Lord chose him to do great works. So let's keep reading. So, the first rule in plan follow the leader is a leader has to be chosen. Let's keep reading. First Kings 17, still verse 1. Now, Elijah the Tishbite from the Gilead settlement said to Ahab, As the Lord God lives, I stand before him. And there will be no dew or rain during these years except, except by my command. So I thought, ooh, God, that's a powerful statement. It's a nice thing. Notice, Elijah's a prophet, but he didn't say, thus saith the Lord. The Lord said there ain't going to be no rain. Elijah said, at my word, there ain't going to be no rain. Until I say so. So I looked up the word stand in that verse. And it, the definition is to stand still, to stop moving, to stop doing, to tarry, to delay, to remain, to continue, to abide, endure, to persist, to be steadfast, to make a stand, to hold your ground, and again, to remain. So I said, okay, God, let me go back and read that. Now, Elijah said to Ahab, as the Lord lives, I stand before him. Capital H. He's standing before the Lord. So when he's standing before the Lord, that's a picture of him to tell He's there for a while. He's going to remain. He's going to be continually in God's face. That's not a picture of, I'm going to go to church and get God's face. Give him my two hours and I'm not, he's not going to see me again until the next Sunday. That ain't what that was. When Elijah got up in the morning, he's in God's face. Okay, God, look. Look, this is what we're going to do. Then the middle of the day, okay, God, look, I'm back. Did you think about this? What about that? Elijah was always in the face of God. Drought. 
and God will back him up. So the second rule to plan, follow the leader is, you have to be close enough to the leader to mimic his every move. Now when it comes to doing greater works, you have to be consistent. You have to be so close to the Lord. You have to interact with him so much that at your very word, he'll back you up. I don't know if this healing's gonna work, but you know what? Be healed. It's not my name on the line. It's God's name. So he's gonna have to back up his word because I'm coming in the name of the Lord. You know what? You know the God I serve. So I'm gonna step out here on his behalf and he's gotta back up his word. So, y'all know the story. Elijah goes, he performs up. <laughs> He tells uh, the 700 prophets of Baal, y'all build your altar, put the bull, cut the bull up, put it on top. Go ahead, whoever's, whoever's God answers by fire, it's the real God. So they was like, okay, so they built their altar, they cut the bull up, they put it up there, and they started calling on their, on their God, come on, Baal, come on, Baal, Baal, come on, come on, Baal, oh, Baal. Nothing happened. So then, Elijah started talking. Maybe he's asleep, complimenting out. Maybe he's in the bathroom, believing himself. I'm a little bit loud. So then they started cutting themselves. They're cutting themselves. They're bleeding. They're crying out to their God, and nothing happened. So at the evening sacrifice, Elijah was like, okay, y'all had no time. Let me rebuild the Lord's altar. Put the bull on there, cut the bull up, put the bull on there. Then he started showing off. He said, get some water. Pour it on the bull. So they put some water on the bull. Now I don't know where they got the water from. Because he didn't try to, you know, he caught from a dry thing. So I don't know where he got the water from. So then he said, okay, get some more water. Put even more water on that. So they did. Wet the bull. The water filled the trench around it. And then he just simply said, God, show them who you are. Fire came down. It, uh, it, uh, the fire came down, it got the bull, dried up all the water, and everybody started worshiping the Lord. Yeah. So then he said, okay, to take those 700 prophets of Baal and go over and kill them. So he took them over and killed them. Anytime you do something good for the Lord, the enemy always comes back with an attack. Every single time, it don't matter. It don't matter, it don't matter. If you do a great work for the Lord, the enemy's always going to come back. So what happened? Jezebel comes. And she hears that all her prophets have been killed, so she sends a warning. You tell Elijah, I said, by this time tomorrow, I don't do to him what he did to my prophets. So what Elijah do? He goes and he's hiding. He's scared, running for his life. Goes and finds a cave. And he's hiding in his cave. Running from Jezebel. Okay, so the Lord missed that communion. Elijah used to hear about it. Where's he at? Has anybody seen Elijah? I haven't seen Elijah today. Just like a, who was an Adam over in Genesis when, when they had eaten the forbidden fruit. The Lord was used to him and Adam walking in the garden in the cool of the day. But then when Adam sinned, and he was hiding. God missed his mistake company. He wants to have a relationship with us. So he missed that ball. Adam, where were you? Same thing with Elijah. Elijah is always in God's face. Always in God's face. Always in God's face. And Elijah missed his friend. So he said, Elijah, what are you doing over there? And Elijah had to tell him, look, I didn't do it.
anoint Jehu, son of Nimshi, as king over Israel, and then anoint Elisha, son of, uh, from Abel Mehola, sounds good name, as prophet in his place. He said, then Jehu will put to death whoever escapes the sword of Haziel. Elisha will put to death whoever escapes the sword of Jehu. But I will leave 7,000 in Israel that has never bowed their knee to Baal or kissed him. Put a pin in that verse. We're going to come back to that. So then you fast forward and you find Elijah. He goes and he finds Elijah. Now, Elijah's a bad boy. He is. He is dragging 12 teams of oxen. One person driving one to two teams is good. He's driving 12 teams of oxen. He is leading. He is guiding 24 oxen. That's a lot. That's, that's, that's a lot for one person to be driving. But he's driving these 24 oxen. Elijah comes and he takes his mantle and he throws it over his shoulders. And Elijah, Elijah said, wait a minute, let me go tell my family. Elijah said, what about to do with you? So he goes, tells his family, they uh, break up all the wool, the yokes of the oxen, sacrifice the, the oxen. Then he goes back and he goes and follows Elijah. Now let's talk for just a minute about school of prophets. Be very leery of those prophets that say, I went to a conference, three-day conference, it was a school of prophets, and now I'm a prophet. Da, 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 da. That is a dangerous thing. When prophets were in training, they literally left. And notice, Elisha left his home. He went and told his family, look, y'all ain't gonna see me for a while. If it was something that he could just go back and forth, he wouldn't have to go and tell his family. He had to tell his family, look, I love y'all. I see you when I see you. They literally moved in and stayed with the prophet. And they sat at the prophet's feet and they learned everything that they had to learn. It wasn't a quick process. It took years. I'm going to tell you, when the, when the woman of God came to a conference that we were hosting one time, she ain't never seen me before. I ain't never seen her before. Didn't know who she was. I knew who she was because we had like her. She didn't know me. Other than her name being on the flyer. She didn't know me. I didn't know her. And she called me up and she walked me through everything that happened in my entire life. She said, you were two years old when the devil tried to kill me. And my knees buckled and I thought, oh God, how'd she know that? She told me when I tried to commit suicide. She told me the times that I purposely ran my car into a tree. She told me this, and she told me that. She told me how I was treated, how I was mistreated. She read my life. And then she said, the reason why I know is because God said you're his prophet. And I was like, Tell you what it sounds like. It could be a group of people talking. 
But he said, but I don't speak always in an audible voice. Sometimes my voice is in the wind. You have to be able to see that wind when it blows. See the wind and know what I'm saying. He said, you see how the trees are sitting? You see how the leaves split? You need to know how to read those leaves and tell me what I'm saying. I went through two years of learning to hear his voice. When I tell y'all, y'all hear me say it often, I'm going point accurate in the spirit. It's not pride. It's confidence. I've been through the training. I got it back up because I sit in his feet. Then I went through, I went through about two more years of being able to speak to the atmosphere. I did that up. Who was Gideon? That fleece thing that he did? Okay, God, let the fleece be wet and all the ground be dry. And then the next day he flipped it and said, okay, let the fleece be dry, let the ground be wet. The Lord was teaching me how to control the atmosphere. I'm sitting on the front porch. My mother lived across the yard from me. And she said, my phone rang, she said, is that you sitting on the porch? And I was like, yeah. She said, you know it's a tornado warning? Yeah. What are you doing? Get in the house. I said, no, I'm telling the tornado what you cannot do. I walk the parameter of my yard. You will not touch anything within this parameter of what you do around it. I don't care. But inside here, this is my problem. This is anointed ground. You can't touch it. I go in the house. I go in. Wake up in the morning. Trees are down all around. My yard didn't even look like a big blue. Not a leaf out of place. Nothing. Next time the tornado came through, the Lord said, go up there and command that storm. I said, okay, look. I'm going to trip it up a little bit. Flip it a little bit on. I said, I got this tree in the backyard. It's leaning towards my house. I can't afford to have somebody come and remove it. Tornado, this is what you can do. You can remove that tree, but don't touch my house. I went to bed. Next morning, woke up, went to the kitchen to make me some coffee, and I was like, what in the world? I opened the window, and I reached out and I could touch that tree. So I was like, that's my tree, it's dead. Let me go see what kind of damage. Because it was so close, I could touch it from in my kitchen. It was right there at the window. I went outside. It looked like somebody had took the trunk, lifted it straight up out of the ground, roots and all, and just laid it there. Not one limb touched my house. Not one limb. So, prophets, God says he trains his prophets. So be wary of people that say, I'm a prophet. And all they've had was a three-day three weekend at a school of the prophet conference. So, okay. Second Kings 2, 9. Yeah. 
You have to study. Even doctors, all the years of school that they go to, they finally get a job in a hospital and what do they, what do you say? They're practicing. You still practicing and you the graduated how many years ago? Because you have to, you have to keep using it. You don't, cliche, if you don't use it, you'll lose it. That's kind of how the gift thing is. It's always there, but if you don't use it, it starts to lie dormant. So when uh, when the woman of God came and said that I was a prophet, she said, she told me, she said, you have a gift to heal. You will cast out demons. You will lay hands on the dead and they will rise. And I, I, that's one that I still joke Like if I go to a funeral home, I'm like, get out. Then I'm looking like, oh, if he moves in that casket, I'm going to be the first one out there to door. I don't care if I'm the one that's going to get up. I'm out there door. So I started and I said, okay, so heal. Let me, let me say heal. So I'm reading books. Going to uh, watching videos of uh, Benny Hinn, uh, Smith Willowworth, Catherine Coleman, reading all this stuff, watching YouTube clips of all these people doing all these healings. And then I hear that somebody's coming to Louisville. He's got this healing ministry. And I was like, ooh, God. I'm going. So I went. Now, the church they had at, it was packed. So they had the overflow out in the yard. We go back to my text and I said, we're going to put a pin in. Okay. The overflow was in the yard. You just bring a lawn chair and sit. They set up the stage outside. They ministered on the inside and they came out. This guy comes out. Real hairy guy, beard, mustache, and everything. Tattoos all up and down his arms. He was up on stage. I think he rode in on the motorcycle. He's on stage and people are worshiping and worshiping and worshiping. And he, uh, he starts calling people up on stage. Okay, if you have anybody in the audience with a, a back problem, come on, I have a back problem. People coming up to the stage. So people lined up. He was healing that. So I was like, okay. okay. If you have a. Thank you. 
Then the girl that was trying to avoid him dropped to her knees. She had her hands on his legs and she prayed and prayed and prayed. And when they got done, one guy said, keep the faith, brother. And they walked away. And I saw his faith drain from his face. And he bowed his head and you could just see tears wet in front of his shirt. They pushed him back to the van, put him in the van, and they drove off. Now I'm here. God, what the heck? Look here. This is a healing conference. Why didn't they heal that guy? He was supposed to be walking. That's what he came for. How come you didn't heal him? And the Lord simply said, You. That was your assignment. You were supposed to heal him. He wasn't for them. I almost took my life over the guilt that I felt because he walked away. He, they wheeled him away, still broken. And it was this verse in 1 Kings 19 where the Lord said, but I'll leave 7,000 in Israel, every name that has not bowed or kissed the face of them. It was that verse that the Lord gave me Several years later of self-condemnation, the Lord said, Sherry, that was a lesson for you. You were just fanning out that you were. You had the ability to heal. I wasn't expecting you to heal, but I've got a ram in the bush. I want that boy healed as much as you wanted him healed. Don't think that you're the only one out here that's healing people. I got somebody that I can send over here to heal. If he's willing to receive, I'm willing to heal. He's not going to stay in that wheelchair forever. So I said from that day, I said, okay, God, you give me another opportunity, I will never tell you no. But since then, he was sent me to the hospital twice and killed two people. <laughs> but it was the Lord's will. He sent me there to pray for them. I'm, th I'm thinking one way. I'm going to pray they're going to go home. Home. Here home. He was talking about, I'm going to bring him home. I'm giving the ultimate heal. So, the, to end my, to end my, I don't know what just happened here. To end my story, we have the ability to do greater. The Lord said greater things than Jesus did. What did Jesus do? He prophesied to people. He's casting out demons. He's laying hands on the sick. He's spreading the word. All these things that Jesus did, we're supposed to be doing even greater than him. But if you're not to, if your faith isn't to that point where you can do those things that Jesus did, start small. If you've never prophesied to somebody, start your day with God. Give me some, some word for somebody that I can give to somebody on my job. On the bus ride, on the way to work. Give me a word to give to somebody. I want to prophesy. And he'll give you that word. He'll give you that word. Or if you, if you operate in healing and you've never done miraculous healings, and I did have a boy come to me. He was trying to heal. He was on the football team. He was a senior in high school. The scouts were looking at him. He fell and broke his arm during practice through the summer. He had two weeks. Two weeks for that, it was a clean break. He had two weeks for his arm to heal so he could play in this game. The scouts were going to be watching that. So they brought him to the chair. Can you pray for his arm? I said, okay, look, here's my disclaimer. I'll pray for his arm. But God's in charge of healing. I don't have nothing to do with it. But I'll pray. In two weeks, that boy's arm completely healed. <laughs> and he was back on that football field. God got the glory. So if you, you know, if you, where you are, your greater is more than what you've ever done. It don't have to be what Jesus did. It's just start where you are. If you never prophesy, prophesy. If you never heal, heal. If you never cast that thing and test that thing at work, that, that right there. Now people come in my job and they acting crazy and I'm like, I'll get my wool out. 
I was sitting on my desk. I had this man come in one day. One of my texts came in. He came to my desk and he did some kind of crazy hand gesture over my desk. And I'm like, devil, you know my own play? All the time. So I took an anointing all out and I slammed it on my desk and I looked at it. He kind of backed up. I said, yeah, you know God. <laughs> you know God, I don't play. I'm telling you, don't come in here with no hand gesture. That might be some witchcraft stuff. I don't know what you got in there. Turn on your job. When people are in there and everything is going chaotic, just whisper. Spirit, in the name of Jesus, I call peace in this place, and I guarantee you, it'll follow. Just try it. You have to practice your gifts. The only thing that you have to do in order to operate in greater is pick up the mantle. As long as it, it, when when Elisha when Elijah was taken up, Elijah's mantle was laying on the floor. If Elijah, if Elisha had saw it and said, "Oh, Elijah's gone. What am I going to do?" He would have just went on back home, being Elisha. But he made a conscious decision to pick up that mantle which gave him the authority to operate the way that Elijah operated. Now, you know, now they did, they did similar, they did similar uh, miracles. They did similar miracles. Elijah did the whole thing, Elijah did the whole thing. Elijah did the raising the boy from the dead, Elijah did the raising the boy from the dead. They did similar things. Now Elijah did do twice as many more miracles, but the greater of his story that you never saw anywhere in the Bible was Elijah was dead and gone. Flesh had decayed off his bones. He is a skeleton in a grave. And some guys come walking by. And they got this corpse with them. You know, now you fool with a dead body, you're considered unclean. You got to sit outside the camp and all this kind of stuff for so many days until the priest says that you're clean and then you can come back in. So he's they take this dead body and pitch him over in his grave. This dead body rolls in and touches the bones of Elisha. And his life came back to him. That was great to me. That was great to me. Elijah ain't thinking about this place no more. He is a skeleton still performing miracles. So it's all Everybody has, everybody has the ability to do greater. So think about it. Is there a time that the Lord asked you to do something for somebody else? Give that word. Go lay hands on them. Go and pray for them. Believe me for this for that person over there. And you did. Because you discounted yourself because, oh, I'm tired it's not something I do. Then you should come to the altar. If you know you have gifts, don't really know what they are, and you need clear directions, you should come to the altar. We can stir them up for you. If you don't think you have gifts, and everybody does, if you don't think you have a and everybody does, as long as you're in here and you have breath in your body, the Lord has called you to something. He might not call you to a big stage. He might not call you to stand behind the pulpit. But he might call you to be the Moses in your family. He might call you to be the face of God on your street. He might call you to be Your personality. So if you think you have a call, you think you don't have a call. 